you know, it's <sighs> been a wild week. It's been it's been it's been a wild what a week. week but yeah. What a week, but what an awesome launch of Shaken and Disturbed. I got a lot of good oh feedback on John's idea, I take no credit for this, of doing the, <laughs> what's the proper word for it? Nine-tiled Instagram of our logo, because it looks oh, so like sexy. It looks so sexy on the Instagram. Yeah. And for a while, I didn't want to post another Instagram, because it was going to ruin the look know, of me it. me too. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's fine. I posted one today yeah. of me looking very young, and I got to say, John, for those part of our Patreon, your prom pick was everything for me. Wow, really? Thanks. I'm really so thankful. And yeah, I mean, my God, like the, this week has been overwhelming. I mean, from ending Martinis and Murder to releasing two new episodes and launching our Patreon... Are we the hardest working people in show business, by the way? Because that's a lot of work to do all of that. You are the hardest working time. person in show show business. Matt oh, and I no. are just living off of you. That's all. <laughs> that's not true. By the way, Matt is with us. Welcome back, he Matthew. Is. Hello. Um, Matt, I know you're a dad and everything, but have you been yeah. paying attention to the responses about your voice and the memes on our Facebook page? Because mm. they're fucking hilarious. Um, I've heard that people are... Uh, pretty upset and horrified. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, they're not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen, mm-hmm. I will say this. There is, I think we even ran a poll in our Facebook group. I can pull that up in a second, but most people are really enjoying your voice, Matt. And I think a lot of it is that, you know, our effect on our previous show was fun and it was mysterious and unique, but, you know, eventually, Matt, you became, you know, a big part of the show. You were chiming in with research tidbits and things like that, obviously. And um, we didn't, like, prepare for that, I feel like. So now people can really hear what you have to say because the effect on the previous show was a little bit hard to hear or it was, like, scaring people's dogs. I know my friend Jamie was like, I'm so excited to, like, not have my dog run out of the room when I'm listening anymore. Well, I apologize Um, in advance for the things I'm going to say. Yes, and now we can hear you even setup. clearer, which I think will be impossible. But you know, that's a, that's yeah. a good that's a good trans- trans- transition because I just wanted to thank everyone about our Patreon. I mean, this is sort of new for John, Matt, and myself. Yeah. And honestly, like it was bigger than expected with the early signups. We have a lot of shout outs to start making. It's been so fun mm-hmm. interacting on that platform. Like I mentioned, John's prom pick was everything, <laughs> everything. Oh, thank you. Um, it, so much so that it inspired me to yes. dig out some gems myself. My mom is like, am I getting paid hourly for this? Like, I am working her overtime uh, in this. You have her in, digging through old boxes and stuff. But she's finding some really good gems. Some I'll post on my Instagram. Some are Patreon exclusive. And yeah. I think that I am going to show off my prom pick. And if you haven't signed up for our Patreon, you might want to do it. And, and here's why. One, I'm not in all black. <laughs> Two, Can you believe? Two, I have long hair. And three, yeah, I'm with a boy. My boyfriend. Wait, and then my four. Yeah. And then four, you're in a dress, which is pretty and then intense. Four, I'm in a dress. I've already shown John these pics. Matt, I have to send them to you as well. I have my junior one and my senior one. Um, it's I'm, weird can I give a little I, tease? Yeah, give a little tease. Give a little tease. Because... And we'll get into today's show, which is a very important one, but obviously we have to catch up here at the top. But Darren sent the photos, and let me just tell you, Darren, how long ago was that? Like 12, 13, 14 years? 15 years ago, yeah. 
15 years ago, and I am not exaggerating, you'll see it next week when we post her prom pic, she looks exactly the same. There's not a line <laughs> changed on her face. I mean, it's um, it's truly remarkable. I mean, you always have, everyone has always complimented your skin, and it's just like, wow, you really... Your genes are really uh, kicking in in a good way there. As so my dad job. would say, I'm well-preserved. That's what my well dad preserved, would say. Well-preserved. Yes. So if you want to catch that, yes. uh, it is worth it just to see me in some color and a dress. I promise you this. <laughs> and I'm thinking we should reveal Matt's, and I really regret saying this, John, so remind me to kill myself mm. later, uh, Matt's mm-hmm. zaddy face and body. Should we, should we, <laughs> is this, Let's no? say it. Listen, the perk, no. one of the and most the exciting- yeah, well, listen. Dinner? I would say I would I say know. arms. You've got you've got nice arms. Listen, you've slept over before, so I've seen the goods, my friend. And basically, what we're saying is Matt's nudes will be on uh, <laughs> on Patreon. It, an exclusive reveal to his OnlyFans <laughs> account will will be on our Patreon. Everyone needs way, to get by on the his looks OnlyFans. of some of the. Sorry to interrupt. By the looks of some of the people in that Facebook group, they might want that, Mr. Yeah, Matt. no, so I, keep, I mean... Okay. Keep that in their back pocket. Well, we're going to have to add a new tier for the dick pics. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, that's like $1,000. Yeah, no, that's $1,000. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I, I, I highly want to avoid that. But, you know, doing a tribe crime doing a true crime podcast is mostly women and I thought okay here's Matt yeah. straight guy here's me gay girl you know sorry John uh, but Matt's getting all the love you know what I mean like that's fucked up I will say this it has brought me to a point where I'm like I can't be the second hottest man on my own show right but you so are so I gotta now. get into the gym I am yeah. I completely accept that that's fine but yes, yeah. to answer Darren, your thought here is that we will be revealing Matt's identification, his ID, his face, his identity, um, in the coming weeks. So um, go sign up for Patreon. We were just brainstorming before the show, like what it could be, like what is the video? And Matt, what are your, I mean, just a quick thought here, like what are your thoughts about finally revealing your identity? Are because you by nervous? the way, people who came... T- yeah, and people who came to our live shows and CrimeCon in the past kind of had the chance to already see you in a way. Well, I'm gonna have to work out a bit because uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been right. it's been a bit rough during COVID. So I don't know. This might yeah. not happen until March. That's true. It'll Maybe we need to goal. like yeah, yeah, give you yes. some goals there. That's a good idea. Yes. And, you know, we also wanted to say that we, we've, we've heard your feedback. We're listening in every single comment that you all post. John and I have decided yeah. to do an Instagram live this coming Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, that date is the February 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We were thinking 8 is late enough for East Coasters to probably get a little sloshed with us. It may be early enough that the West Coast can also hopefully get sloshed with us because it'll be 5 p.m. there. A little happy hour, if you will. So we'll be promoting it all week. Uh, We're going to set a countdown clock like we normally do. But just for everyone, this Thursday, set your calendars, February 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Johnny Boy and I at Jay Thrasher at Carpe Darren will be doing a Instagram Live. Instagram Live. And Matt, you might join us. We're here. I think you should, Zaddy. Yeah. Yeah, Zaddy. We'll yeah, see. Zaddy. Okay, By the way, I immediately forgot uh, that. Another yep. time, another time we should talk about the dynamic between Matt and I as a former boss because, like, I literally just talked about his nudes. I just yeah, feel there like needs it's a to be a whole time. test case. Yeah, there needs to yeah. be like like something needs to be said because I'm not okay with any of this happening right now. I don't know that I am either, but it's fine. 
Well, before we get into today's disturbing case, and this one, I got to give it up to Matt, has incredible research, and it's obviously going to be a name that hopefully all of you out there know. But before we get into that, what are you boys drinking today? Well, I'm drinking, you know, last week I was having, what did I have, like coffee with whiskey, or um, Bailey's in it. This week I'm keeping uh, to my coffee interests. Yes, And drinking what's called coffee whiskey. This was... um, by the company First Light, and it's a it's coffee for those who whiskey. want it all. I I got I got sent the same thing, <laughs> yeah. um, and on your bottle, John, does it say Family Dark Roast at the bottom? So I have a dark roast, and I have um, original. So I'm drinking the original flavor. Um, okay, which it says I... here has a double. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I'm drinking the dark roast today, which is 33% alcohol by volume. So I'm excited. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it looks like this one is as well. This one has a little like um, medal on it that got the 2020 SIP Awards double gold. Whatever the hell that is. Sounds like it's a good thing. And let me Um, ask you this. When you you open the bottle, uh, are you getting more Mm -hmm. coffee or are you getting more whiskey from the scent? Just right off the drop. Um. Let me take a quick scent. I'm getting more um, of like a syrupy coffee, which is really nice. Yeah, I think I would I would describe it the same way. I did have a little sip of it, and we'll have a have a quick cheers or something here in a second. But you know, I I do love my brown sugar bourbon. You know that had replaced Bailey's as my go to drink last year in our previous show. Um, but I'm loving the coffee whiskey too. I didn't know I was such a whiskey guy. I think I'm becoming a whiskey guy. This show has really changed you. Matt, what are you drinking? <laughs> it's really more. <laughs> I am drinking. Well, here we go. If you could hear that. Um, oh, I'm God. Drink, Is this I'm a yingling a six or something? Point, no. Oh. No. A six point double IPA, 9% alcohol nice. content. Uh-oh. Whoa, so you only up. need one of those there, Zaddy. Only one of those. <laughs> Got it. I can't I can't not call him Zaddy. It's just going to keep going. No, that's I, smart. As you guys know, I'm drinking the same thing as John, but the uh, dark rose. So let's cheers before getting into this case, because I have a feeling we're going to need it after talking cheers. about it. Cheers, guys. Cheers, y'all. Mm. Whew. I love it. Love it? Yeah, it's very so uh, warm. It's very so, warm. So today, you know, I want to get into today's disturbing case, and John's going to kick it off here. But I wanted to just make a statement up top of why we chose George Floyd. And, you know, this death, 2020 was just an all-around shitty year, um, I think, for the world in in every way. But George Floyd, which the case actually happened after my birthday, so it was, like, very, very, like, I can can remember the time. I remember where I was. It was just one of those moments that you kind of remember where you were when it happened. And this death really sent shockwaves across the world and made us all reflect on the injustices caused by racism, and it's very important that we talk about it. And also, for anyone out there, uh, because we know this is wrapped around around politics, this is a murder, and we are treating it as such. Yeah, and, you know, we saw as Americans and even people beyond our country, a movement that was born out of this moment. I mean, really it was, you know, many unfortunate injustices prior to this, but this really set people off this summer uh, and rightfully so. And I just feel like, you know, while George Floyd is maybe a name that you would know from headlines or even social media, you know, everyone was talking about it. We wanted to take an episode, especially during black history month, 
and yes. shed light on the human being behind the face and the name. And as, as Darren just said, shout out to Matt for doing a great job with today's research. Um, and Matt, of course, you'll be chiming in, I hope, with some thoughts and not prayers, but thoughts and something, you know, as sure we get thing. into today's episode. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, let's get into it. So George Floyd, he was born on, uh, in 1973 in Fayetteville, North Carolina. His parents separated when he was two and he moved with his mom to Houston. By the way, right off the bat, that's our first uh, piece of research here. And it's like, how many people know that about him? All right. they know is the tragic scene, the tragic, you know, video that gets replayed and, and the sadness around it. But, um, I like that we're sharing like part of his life and his story here so that people yeah, know his, who his, he is. His life should matter more than the 846 that he was held there down. There you go. So yeah, continue. That's a John. great way to put it. Yes. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. They lived in public, uh, a public housing complex in the third ward, a black neighborhood known uh, as the Bricks. The and Bricks is one of Houston's. Sorry, yeah. apparently that's where um, Beyonce was from. Oh, absolutely. I thought that as I was reading through that research, I was like, Yep, this sounds like a Beyonce thing. I think she mentioned it in one of her songs or something. I don't know. It just came up. Um, oh, she won Miss Third Ward. That's what it was. See, I know my Beyonce facts, guys. Don't yeah, you really, you really do. Facts. Damn. <laughs> well, uh, as we mentioned, the Bricks is one of Houston's poorest neighborhoods. In the second grade, Floyd wrote in an essay that he wanted to be a Supreme Court judge when he grew up. My, wow. what a what a full what circle there. What an ironic, there. yeah. Uh, piece of information by middle school george was already more than six feet tall what that's amazing that's he began playing yeah i'd say he began playing basketball at a ymca league and became a star athlete in high school earning him the nickname big floyd growing to be six foot seven and 250 pounds by the way this gives a whole new kind of light in, in a way to what we saw this summer and his unfortunate, you know, his death, it's like it kind of gives a little more detail here, knowing how big and strong he was. Um, but he, George played pow uh, power forward in basketball and served as co-captain of the team. He was also a tight end in football where he caught three catches for 18 yards in a new state championship game. Uh, I'm sorry, in a state championship game his junior year. That's according to the San Antonio Express News. By the way, I hope I said all those sports terms right. Like that is like a foreign language to me. Just want to make sure. Sports ball. Sports ball. He did really good in the sports sing. Yes, things. yes. He'd been hitting the um, World Series <laughs> bats for a long time now. Yes, exactly. Gotta love those bats. Gotta yeah, love right. those bats, guys. Right. Anyway, on the last day of the 11th grade, he was hanging out with friends and they were discussing what they wanted to do with their lives. One of his friends, whom he'd met in the school cafeteria in sixth grade, told the New York Times, quote, George turned to me and said, I want to touch the world, end wow. quote. That's beautiful. He, his friends thought touching the world might have been a reference to playing, you know, in the NBA. Like I said, he was very uh, skilled in that way. For sure. You know, it's hard to know exactly what he meant, but who does? I mean, that's what a touching, for lack of a better term, saying to have, you know, to know that, yeah. that he actually said it. And George wasn't just known for his big size. He was known for having a big personality, too. His friends and family say he was always cracking jokes. His generous smile and laughter come up again and again when people talk about him. We heard a lot about this 
Davis in May and in June. Floyd landed a basketball scholarship to attend South Florida State College and transferred two years later to Texas A&M before dropping out. When he came back to the Third Ward, he began rapping and appeared on mixtapes made by DJ Screw, who was a big deal in the Houston hip-hop scene in the mid-90s. Uh, if you want to listen, we can we can attach this little YouTube uh, video to yeah. our show notes. Uh, definitely check it out. It's really interesting watching him rap in, in, in a cool way. In addition to his sense of humor, Floyd was known by pretty much everyone as a gentle giant. You know, it's always the people I always talk about. It. It's like you think about those big, like, let's say <laughs> a, a bouncer or a security guard, someone yeah. who's just got this big presence. They're always the sweetest, gentlest souls. Always. Right? Like, they really are. Yeah. It, it's so, and I could see George, obviously, I didn't know him personally, doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. A female friend told Texas Monthly Magazine that George was, quote, a soft-spoken guy who was respectful of the girls and very humble about his success. A friend who played on Floyd's basketball team, sorry, me, football team, told the New York Times he was talking to former classmates about whether Floyd had ever been in an actual fight. We couldn't recall it, he said. So, again, gentle giant, not the type of guy who's looking for trouble in any way. And another friend told Texas Monthly that he was a peacemaker. Quote, because he was so big, he was always stopping fights, end quote. And I guess that's kind of what I'm saying about even, like, again, I'm just thinking of, like, big, powerful guys in positions, like a bouncer, a security guard. Like, they're using their size Mm -hmm. to break up fights as peacemakers. And so it kind of goes around with their, you know, bare personality in a lot of ways. Like many superheroes, which I think George Floyd is, he was using his powers for good, I think is what we can say there. Um, Over the next decade, George got into some trouble, though. Life in the bricks was rough, and some of Floyd's classmates didn't live long after high school. A friend said, quote, he fell into things a lot of guys in the neighborhood were doing, end quote. In 1998, he was arrested and charged with theft, according to Texas Monthly. In 2004, he was arrested for a $10 drug deal and spent 10 months in jail, according to the New York Times. In 2008, he pleaded guilty to aggravated robbery with a deadly weapon and spent four years in prison. George's friend Stephen Jackson, who played in the NBA and who referred to himself as George's twin because they looked so much alike, told the New York Times, quote, I tell people all the time the only difference between me and George Floyd, the only difference between me and my twin, the only difference between me and Georgie, is the fact that I had more opportunities. If George would have had more opportunities, he might have been a pro athlete in two sports, end quote. Wow. And there's a lot and of, so, and, there's a lot to say in that statement, you know, and I almost yeah, think I it speaks for itself, that. but I mean, there's so much potential lost, I think, in, yeah. in a lot of places around the world, but specifically the United States, that uh, kind of like a what could have been had they really been given the chance to grow and flourish in the way that we all for should, sure. you know. And that, just to add into this, that 10 months in jail for a $10 drug deal, that is just insane And the drug war me. people. I mean, it's hard the- to imagine, you know, like a upper a class, yeah. you know, yeah. white, young, you know, teen or someone in their early 20s going spending 10 months in jail because they, you know bought a joint yeah. or something especially right, exactly. for a, just... this is this is what really angers me and i'm i'm really hoping that this administration can change it but people in jail and, and obama almost did it with eric holder but release all non-violent drug offenders please like no victim no crime a ten dollar drug deal for him to sit in prison for 10 months is going to be way worse than the person who got the drugs at the other end of it. I mean, it's, it's yeah. so sad. Like it's just so sad. And also like 10 months in jail for that crime is of course terrible, but imagine all the mo- the more ridiculous sentences 
that are like years and years in jail. I remember exactly. I'm forgetting her name her name now, but um Kim Kardashian West had a big hand in um helping this woman who had been in jail for I decades her name was for Alice. A, I believe her name was Alice. Alice. Is, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Darren. Who was in jail for I think decades over a nonviolent drug yeah. offense. It's like what is going on? In nineteen ninety six. So, and she was a mother of five yeah. and a grandmother of six. Alex uh, yeah. Alice Johnson is her name. And to think Johnson, of yes. how many generations of lives could have been ruined by that, it isn't just her life. And Ugh. so when these people are putting these people away for nonviolent drug offenses, you're ruining generations to come. You aren't just yeah, ruining that absolutely. person's life. And it's honestly, frankly, sick and disgusting to me. It's It, it leaves me shaken agree. and disturbed, if you will. But Shaken and disturbed, Aaron? That yes. was a great little plug. Good job. Yes, yes. We've groomed you well here on the show by episode yeah. three. I've Good been job. media trained. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You've been media trained. <laughs> well, after George was released from prison in 2013, he returned to the third ward, lived with his girlfriend, and the two had a baby. Floyd would have a total of five children in his life, and he also became very involved in his church. He got involved in a Christian program that took men from the Third Ward and helped move them to Minnesota, providing them job placement and drug rehabilitation services. Hello. Wow, it's almost like we should do that, like, you know, with It's almost like systems. we should encourage the population of America to have this instead of putting people behind bars. <laughs> just a thought. Just right. a thought starter. Just a thought. Just a thought. Into th- <laughs> a thought starter. Uh, In 2014, George decided to move to Minnesota to get a fresh start. Good for him. He worked for a while as a security guard at a homeless shelter and then got engaged. His most recent job was being a bouncer at Conga Latin Bistro, a restaurant and club where hip hop and techno artists perform. The club's owner told Texas Monthly, quote, no one had nothing bad to say about him and he never caused a fight or was rude to people, end quote. Gentle giant. More details here. Yep. Uh, Maria Issa, a rapper who performed at the conga, said George was a gentle, precious, funny giant, end quote. But the club was shuttered because of the pandemic and George was left without a job. George's mom died in 2018. Of course, he was devastated. He'd gone back to Houston after his mother had a stroke to help her with physical therapy. People interviewed a close friend of George's, writing, quote, uh, she remembers him gently uh, helping his mother with her physical therapy stretches after her stroke, and she remembers Floyd laughing, joking, and spinning his mother around in her wheelchair so she could dance. Oh, my God. That quote. brings like a tear to my eye. Heartbreaking. Like, oh, my God. Well, on Memorial yeah. Day, May 25th, 2020, George bought a pack of cigarettes from a South Minneapolis grocery and convenience store called Cup Foods. Uh, for anyone who may know it, a store employee called 911, believing the $20 George had used was counterfeit. He told 911 that Floyd was, quote unquote, awfully drunk. The owner of Cup Foods, Mike, I might get this name wrong, Abumyalea? Abumayale, who wasn't there at the time of the incident, told NBC News that George was a regular who'd always been pleasant, you know, gentle giant. He also pointed out that George may not even realized he was using a counterfeit bill. Depending on what it looked like, I might not even be sure if I was using a counterfeit bill. So it's hard to say what it looked like. Floyd was hanging out in his car with two friends, Maurice Lester Hall and Shawanda Hill, Outside of the store, when two responding officers arrived at about 8.30 p.m., the first two officers were Thomas Lane and J. Alexander Quang. Is it Quang? Quang? 
I think so. Officer Lane, who had approached the driver's seat where Floyd was sitting, pulled his gun within about two seconds of approaching. Uh, Unclear Hmm. why. Here's a snippet of the transcript from body cam footage that was later released. The language is telling here because it's the first exchange between police officers and Floyd. Uh, Do you want to be the police officer Lane and I will be George Floyd? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Let me see your hands. Hey, man, I'm sorry. Stay in the car. Let me see your other hand. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me see your other hand. Please, Mr. Officer. Both hands. I didn't do nothing. Put your fucking hands up right now. Let me see your other hand. Shawanda Hill says, let him see your other hand. Then back to George Floyd. All right. What do I do, though? What we do, what we do, Mr. Officer. Put your hands up there. Put your fucking hand up. Jesus Christ. Keep your fucking hands on the wheel. Now, scene. scene. While George does not immediately and fully comply with Lane's demand, he's also bending over backwards to reassure him that he's not a threat, as you yeah. can see. I think it's just a matter of, I think it's, from what I can tell, and far be it for me to say that I was there or anything like that, but there seems to be a communication issue here and just confusion. You know, obviously, if someone's pointing totally. a fucking gun at you, you're going to be fucking scared. Anybody would be fucking scared, at least I'd hope. Especially as a black man. A hundred You know, per- like how many of these stories have we heard? Absolutely. Uh, And, you know, George just seems to be confused. He's not saying, fuck you, officer. He's just confused. So you could argue, uh, you know, he says sorry because he knows he had used a counterfeit $20 bill. Or it's possible, you know, he's just intoxicated, as the cup food worker had originally said. And also, if a cop, even me, a white woman, if a Mm -hmm. cop is throwing a gun at me no matter what I did, I'm probably going to say sorry out of reflex. Let's be frank about that. Autopsy reports would later conclude that George had fentanyl and methamphetamine in his system at the time of his death, according to NPR. Not uh, not a friendly drug to the body, I will say. Fentanyl kills a lot of people. And it also revealed that he had been positive for COVID-19 and noted that he Mm. had his mother's name tattooed on his belly. After another 90 seconds, according to the New York Times, Officer Lane physically yanks Floyd out of the police car, handcuffs him, walks into the side of a restaurant, and sits him down. You can see Floyd grimacing there. He looks like he's in pain from the cuffs. We've sort of seen this, um, you know, when... Uh, yeah. perpetrators get their cuffs off, at least in movies, you know, they, they rub in their wrists. It's a, it's a common thing that I'm sure people have seen. So I've never been in handcuffs, yeah. but I imagine it's not a comfortable piece of jewelry there. Uh, police would later claim that Floyd physically resisted, but from security footage and witness videos, it's clear Floyd had not been violent in any way and had not resisted right. at all up until this point. Uh, the only way that you could even say he resisted was the confusion about the hand so far. So he's literally complied with everything. Right. Well, six minutes into the arrest, officers Lane and Quang walk Floyd to their patrol vehicle and he collapses to the ground next to the back door. Officers stand him up and are trying to put him into their car. From the videos, it appears that the officers are trying to push him into the car and he's not willingly going. He's not being threatening to Lane or Quang or acting aggressively, but he's not letting himself get pushed into the car. And he's so big, they can't just shove him in. Which, by the way, this isn't just a George Floyd thing. A lot of people who are maybe being arrested for reasons that, or, you know, that they aren't sort of aware of aren't necessarily resisting, but they're just confused and they have this sort of natural sense of, like, what the hell is going on? Not that right. I'm necessarily defending other people, but I just think... You know, Darren, you and I and even Matt, we've seen so many so much of this footage over the years that it doesn't necessarily mean something that they're not super willingly complying and jumping into the backseat of a vehicle that they have no real understanding of. But from the body cam transcript, um, 
Floyd is clearly having serious anxiety and keeps saying he's claustrophobic. He's begging them not to put, uh, not to get into the back of the police car. Here's more of the body cam transcript between Floyd and officers Lane and Quang. Darren, this, why don't you stay George Floyd just for continuity purposes? Yes. yes. (laughs) And then I'll be uh, Quang and Lane and we can sort of, and I'll make sure we justify who everybody is. Okay. I'm claustrophobic. Quang says, hear you, but you're going to face this door right now. Lane says, listen up, stop. I'll do anything. I'll do anything. I'm not resisting. I'm not. I'm not. You can ask him. They know me. Lane says, check that side. God, man, won't do nothing like that. Why is this going on like this? Look at my wrist, Mr. Officer. I'm not that kind of guy. Lane says, check the other side. Mr. Officer, Mr. Officer, I'm not that kind of guy. Lane says, stop. Please, I'm not that kind of guy, Mr. Officer. Please. Lane says, just face away. Please, man, don't leave me by myself, man. Please, I'm just claustrophobic. That's it. Lane says, well, you're still going in the car. Quang says, anything sharp on you? I won't do nothing to hurt you, Mr. Officer. Quang says, do you have anything sharp on you? No, sir. Quang says, not even like a comb or nothing? I don't have nothing. Why y'all doing doing me like this, Mr. Officer? Please crack the window for me and stuff. I'm claustrophobic for real, Mr. Officer. Lane says, you got him? Could you please crack it for me, please? Lane says, yes, I'll crack it. I will. Please stay with me, man. Thank you. God, man, I didn't know all this was going to happen, man. Please, man. I don't want to do nothing to y'all, man. Nothing. Scene. I mean, to me, this all... Again, scene, thank you. That was a great reading because... To me, it's like even more evidence that he was not threatening at all to them. He was just saying, like, I have this very serious mental, you know, issue with the claustrophobia, which, by the way, who doesn't? Um, And they finally complied. But it's like so much with the window crack, but it's like so much conversation just to get there. Like if if the officers were going to eventually crack it anyway, why not just say that up top? You know, well, you got it. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. Sorry, I was just going to say, I I wonder if his size had something to do with his reaction um, because, he, you know, he spent 10 months in jail and time in jail. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, even outside of race, and it's probably a lot worse for black men, you know, if there's a big guy, then... You know, I feel like security sometimes wants to make a lesson out of them or feels more threatened by oh, them. Yeah. And they and they right. fuck with them, you know, right. just to like totally. to show that, hey, we're in control, you know. Exactly. And For if sure. he was five eight, I just don't know that the scene would have played out like it played out. But and it's, he's and it's hard huge, to say. Yeah, he's this huge guy. Just by his size alone, he's threatening them yeah intimidating is a better word um and it's just a sad situation here because yeah i mean technically he should be getting in the car the officers have asked him he's as politely as he can and he's also apparently on something so i think this is very confusing to him and he's bending over backwards to be polite and to reassure them i'm not a threat i'm not going to do anything to you but you know they don't know how to handle him I think that's probably accurate. I mean, again, it's hard to say. It could be situationally dependent if there were other officers there who had a little bit more kindness. And I, I think that's a really good point, Matt, about his size, that it's maybe just intimidating to 
be around him in general. And so here are these guys trying to have big dig, big dick energy with their badges and prove to them, you know, <laughs> that they can control him. But I also, you know, it just goes to show that there's, let's say it is a counterfeit $20 bill, uh, going from counterfeit $20 bill to being in the backseat of a cop car. I just think there's a lot of subtleties there that, exactly. uh, that Great people, point. you know, like the fact that that can happen, I think everyone needs to take a long look at maybe what we ask officers to do, maybe what should be committed, considered a crime. You know what I mean? I mean, I just, I, I'm very fearful of all these laws because, listen, no one can mm-hmm. keep all these laws straight. I'm not saying that a counterfeit $20, obviously that's illegal. It's a legal tender. But, like, clearly he wasn't shooting somebody. Did he need to be restrained? I mean, well, who's he going to kill with a $20 counterfeit bill? Uh, yeah, I think- and he also, I mean, a, the gun being pulled on him immediately. Exactly. Yeah. You know, exactly. that's escalating the situation way beyond where it needed to be right off the well, bat. Well, and let me just say, with his size, you know, during this exchange, Floyd also says, man, I'm scared as fuck, man. So this is not someone who maybe his physical presence, because he's, you know, six seven, is threatening. He's a teddy bear. And he's basically showing yeah. these guys that he's a teddy bear, you know, as much as yeah, he can. Yeah, exactly. Well, Officer Derek um, show—sorry, oh, go ahead, John. Or Oh, no, I was just jumping in because um, I think it's my—this is my segment, but— Oh my god! Whatever. If you wanted, if you wanted to keep going, you're more than welcome. I don't to. know why I kept going with your segment, um, That's but yeah, okay. we got, we got just, off on a tangent. It's no, we did, and he said, you know, that, that man, I'm scared as fuck, man, and I wanted to say that because I was yeah, playing yeah. Floyd, and I think I got caught in it. But like, just him saying that, if an if someone says to you, officer, I'm scared, you think it would be in the officer's best interest to at least it, help the situation? You know, right? I don't know. Is Make him not so saying, scared. You know. Right. If somebody is saying I'm scared as fuck, man, are they the same type of person that's going to uh, threaten any of the officers lives? You know, like it's just every part of this is just a massive failure. Yeah, Agreed. exactly. Um, yeah. Officers Derek Chauvin and Tao, to Tao, I hope I'm saying his name right, um, arrived at the scene when Lane and Quang were trying to get Floyd into the car. Tao, a Hmong American officer who'd been on the force for nine years, had six unspecified police conduct complaints filed against him, according to the Minneapolis Star Tribune. This is also another thing that's been very surprising in all of these horrible police brutality cases, not even just this one, is you always hear about the endless complaints about conduct with these same officers. And I'm like, is anyone looking into this? Is there like a committee? Like, I just don't know. I'm not embedded in that world, but it just seems very bizarre to me that it's a consistent through line with each one of these cases. Um, five were closed without discipline and one remained open. In 2017, a police brutality lawsuit was filed against Tao and another officer by a black man who alleged, alleged they beat him while he was handcuffed, breaking his teeth. Yeah. Oh, dear. The city of Minneapolis settled the case for $25,000. Chauvin, who is white, had uh, had been a police officer for 19 years and was the subject of 17 prior complaints filed against him, according to BuzzFeed News. He'd been involved in three shootings, one fatal. And one of the things I keep hearing, too, as I get, you know, interested in in uh, the stories and and frankly, the sociology around these police brutality cases is that I've learned that 99% of police officers go their whole careers without even shooting a gun. 
Right. And here you have this guy who has had three, including one that was fatal. And I'm not saying anything other than the statistics are interesting. Let's just put it. It does remind me a little bit of like, you know, the movie Spotlight and the Catholic Church and how when they find these bad priests who are doing these sexual uh, assaults to these young kids, they don't handle them appropriately. They just push them to the next parish. They push them to the next thing so that way it's out of their hands. And so for these, it's kind of like that. You know what I mean? It's like if we can settle the case and it doesn't get out, it never happened, right? It doesn't matter if a tree falls in a forest and no one's there to hear it. It didn't really make a sound. And it's like, no, it it did make a sound. It is making a sound. And now you're ruining it for the rest of us. Anyway. That's a great parallel. That's a great metaphor to make there with uh, with that situation because it is very very similar very similar one of the com- yeah one of those complaints i was just talking about was filed after a group of white teen classmates were playing an annual game of assassin where they had to shoot nerf guns at certain targets apparently a nerf gun shot may have struck a passerby chauvin and a partner followed their car with no lights or sirens when they stopped and got out of the car chauvin and or the other officer pulled a gun on the teens and used inappropriate language and attitude, saying things like, put your fucking hands in the air, get back in the fucking car, and don't fucking move. Over Nerf guns, guys? Well, and, and we, you on. know, as you said, this was a group of white teen classmates, so clearly this guy, and obviously we can say maybe racism aside, like, this guy is just a bad fucking cop. I mean, in, in general. Like, <laughs> it just, you know, no one fucking does that with a Nerf gun. Like, yeah. please. Yeah. Well, the teen who filed the complaint was only 13 years old at the time of the incident. The teen's friend was placed in their police vehicle, detained, and berated after Chauvin and his partner had confiscated their Nerf guns. Did that make you feel really good, Chauvin? Taking away teens' (laughs) Nerf guns? Oh. It's just amazing. Yeah. That doesn't fucking fly in this town. Yeah, right, exactly. Get get your slingshot out of here, kids slingshot he later said quote i think derek chauvin intentionally escalated incidents because he enjoyed having that power over people End he quote. must have had a really small dick okay by the time chauvin and thou got involved there's a bit of a struggle in the back of the car it's hard to see what happens from existing videos but from the transcript it seems that floyd is having a lot of anxiety <laughs> and is under distress remember he had claustrophobia derek chauvin pulls yeah. floyd out of the car and places the handcuffed man on his stomach on the street the body cam transcripts become highly disturbing after Chauvin puts his knee on George yeah. Floyd's neck. Quang was also leaning on George's back and Lane was restraining his legs. George says, I can't breathe more than 20 times. And again, he has COVID. So his immune system is probably shutting That's down right, people yeah. with COVID who aren't being fucking strangled, you know, on the ground having a tough time breathing, let alone this guy who can't, who's saying mm-hmm. this as it's going on. He also calls it repeatedly for his mama and for his children saying, Mama, I love you. Tell my kids <sighs> I love them. This is heartbreaking. After saying, please, I can't breathe, officer, Derek Chauvin responds, then stop talking. Stop yelling. Floyd says, you're going to kill me, man. Chauvin says, then stop talking. Stop yelling. It takes a hell of a lot of oxygen to talk. And at one point he says, Mama, I'm through. By the way, it's standard for police training to direct officers to keep suspects on their stomachs while handcuffed as briefly as possible because that position can asphyxiate them. Meanwhile, bystanders were growing concerned that George Floyd was being murdered by police in front of their eyes. Cell phone videos taken at the scene picked up off-camera audio of onlookers trying to intervene. They could be her saying, get off his neck. He's a human and he's dying. One said, you're fucking killing him. Yeah, and it's kind of like bringing me back, you know? Like, I kind of, I'm starting to have those same feelings I had when those, uh, that footage came out and the details were revealed and it's like, 
even if you're the police officer and and even if he was even a little bit more um you know resistant like that's still not the way to handle this situation it's just disturbing but anyway but officer tao is standing guard between the other officers and the crowd I, I, I feel like I can picture this like it was yesterday because from all the footage talking to Officer Tao, someone can be heard saying you're going to you're going to let him kill that man in front of you. An off duty firefighter in the crown said the fact that you guys aren't checking his pulse and doing compressions if he needs them. You guys are on another level. So that's, here's like a group of people. Of and yeah. Yeah. And like trained professionals being like, uh, this isn't this isn't normal. What the hell are you doing? Right. Um. As the crowd was becoming agitated, Officer Tao moved towards them, snapping, get back on the sidewalk. I remember that as well. Uh, Mike, the owner of, the, of Cup Foods, told NBC News that the employee who initially called police over the counterfeit $20 bill called him when Officer Chauvin had his knee on Floyd's neck. He said that his employee was crying, telling me, Mike, Mike, what should I do? The guy can't breathe. They're killing him. So this isn't like, by the way, this isn't like, oh, Oops, what a little bit of an accident. I didn't realize this was going on. Like, if people on the sidewalk are noticing what's going on here, like, you have to assume the officer does as well. I mean, Mike these guys are supposed to be trained, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly it. Mike told his employee to call the police on the police in total, which, by the way, that's a whole thing in and of itself. But anyway, in total, Officer Derek Chauvin had his knee on George's neck for eight minutes and 15 seconds. Witnesses say his face was pinned so hard that his nose was bleeding. Oh. Darren has some, uh, just for anyone listening, those that's not you getting pulled over. It sounds like someone's got uh, some sirens in the background. It's a problem um, when you live near every hospital in New York City, but uh, maybe, York it's, City. maybe it's appropriate, <laughs> a little sound effect for this, unfortunately. Sadly, yeah, yeah. that's a good point, yeah. Witnesses say his face, uh, like I mentioned, was so hard to the ground that his nose was bleeding, and Chauvin kept... His Chauvin, rather, kept his knee on Floyd's neck for nearly three minutes after he went unconscious. That's according to the New York Times. Ugh, that is like such a, like it gave me chills. By the time George Floyd uh, had become, uh, by that time George Floyd had become motionless, medics arrived and they loaded his body onto a stretcher and put him into the ambulance. Minneapolis fire personnel had also arrived, went into the ambulance, and found he had no pulse, according to MinPost.com. Well, so, Floyd, horrific tragedy. Yeah, Floyd's last words were, I can't breathe. And this struck a chord with people who remembered Eric Garner, who said the same thing. And Garner, if you remember, had been apprehended for selling, quote-unquote, loose cigarettes, Lucy's, if you will, on Staten Island, and had died after being put in a chokehold by police. He had been choked with enough force to cause internal bleeding in his neck, and his death was ruled mm. by the medical examiner as a homicide. I can't breathe were also Eric Garner's last words, which have been sort of this uh, rally cry mm -hmm. uh, over the summer. You know, a lot of people I see in masks with it, obviously. I mean, uh, the saying on the mask, obviously, is a, yeah. a sign of defiance. Now, the fact that Eric was killed because he was selling cigarettes and George was killed because he bought a pack of cigarettes with a $20 bill that he may or may not have known was counterfeit did not escape people who pay attention to black people dying from police brutality, obviously. Yeah. And the day after George Floyd was murdered, the police issued a statement describing as a suspected forger who, quote, appeared to be under the influence, which isn't illegal, and who physically resisted officers and who appeared to be suffering medical distress brought on by the officers. Now, the statement made no mention of any officers <laughs> right. who might have contributed to his death or anything about a knee on his neck. 
George's friend, Maurice Lester Hall, who he had been in the car with him, told the Baltimore Sun, quote, he was from the beginning trying in his humblest form to show he was not resisting in no form or way. A 17-year-old high school student named Darnella Frazier, uh, who'd been taking her nine-year-old cousin to Cup Foods, had used her phone to stream the entire incident on Facebook Live. Within hours after the police released their statement, the video went viral, and the official police account suddenly seemed ridiculous. George's nephew said, quote, it's pretty bad when you wake up and see that video in the news. I'm thinking, wow, not again. Then my wife looks at me and says, you know who that is? George and his nephew were close and visited each other often. About Darnella Fraser, uh, George's nephew told the Rapid City Journal, quote, I talked to her last night and she said, I can't sleep. I can't sleep either. She said, that's all I can see. I can see your nephew begging, crying, and dying at the same time. That's all I can see, his face. Without her, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And it's like, you know, I'm so glad, Matt, by the way, that you gave us some research here uh, that includes Eric Garner because... It's the same concept. It's like the exact same concept. And I remember having very heated discussions. This is just a personal anecdote with people around the Eric Garner case. And if you remember, it was somewhat political, right? Because they were like, well, if he wasn't resisting arrest. Well, the thing is about that is the, the answer to resisting arrest isn't choking someone to death. They don't deserve to die because they may have been resisting arrest, even if that were true. And well, right. I, I mean, had and, many. Right. Un- go ahead. I was just go. saying, I had many uncomfortable conver- conversations with people that I thought I could really trust and who would understand something so basic about human civility like that. And you know, that's one thing that I feel like these, um, you know, the protests and this movement has created is it's really put people into certain buckets. It's like. Are you for the Black Lives Matter movement or are you not? Because for me and myself, I'm just talking about particular in particular, it is so important and is such a huge monumental part of moving forward as a society that if you are, for whatever reason, not participating in what the Black Lives Matter movement stands for, it's a deal breaker. And, you know, it's heartbreaking because, you know, in some ways, it's like you don't want to lose certain people in your life or family members even. I know, obviously, it's a conversation that many people are having at their dinner tables. But what it's doing is creating uh, accountability and um, repercussions for people that treat people terribly for the color of their skin. And for that, I am not, you know, I'm not willing to negotiate about specifically racism. I can't stand it. Yeah. I I read a, I read a book a few years ago. I actually think I mentioned it on our, on our past podcast. Um, it was essential and I can't remember the name and I'll, I'll have to look it up. It was, it was a short book, but it was essentially about what do you do if uh, the cop comes to talk to you, you know, you witness a crime kind of thing and the cop comes Mm. up to you and says like, do you see, did you see anything, you know? And I'm it's not specific Mm. to George Floyd, it's just a specific case in general. And basically the ultimate um, moral of this story was essentially like, no matter what, you know, involved, not involved to the crime, if a cop comes up to you and basically says like, you know, did you have any information on this? You say, I want a lawyer. Because automatically, you know, if you say something that isn't true, you do this, you do that, they're going to say, why did you lie to me? Why did you say it this way? And you get a lot more trouble for things that you say to cops and things that you don't say to cops. And so, and this wasn't a matter of, (laughs) you know, someone being fucking murdered after being choked to death for nine minutes. I mean, this was just like, if you witness a guy in a park 
stealing a car. This you know, and I'm not saying that's not a serious offense. Yeah. I'm just saying it's a kind of a nonviolent thing with that. Um, that you can't trust cops. Right. And the thing is, is that if we can't trust the people that are supposed to protect us, who the fuck can mm. we trust? You know, like speak on it. Well, you know, even with your parents, you know, if you can't trust your parents to want what's best for you, and a lot of these cases, it's just, and we're going to get to a a news piece in a minute about parents, but if you can't trust the people that not only are we paying to protect us, we pay them (laughs) with our tax money, people, you pay the police, you pay the police, and by the way, you're paying their fucking pensions for the rest of their life as well, then who the fuck can we trust? (laughs) Absolutely. Matt, were you going to say something as well? Oh, you know, I I just wanted to comment that when I was doing research on this case, I, you know, at the time, you know, of course, I was inundated and saw a lot of images mm-hmm. and, and, and would watch, you know, parts of it. But it was so upsetting to me that I didn't mm-hmm. really consume everything. And then mm-hmm. for doing this research, you know, I watched every bit of footage that I could. Um, mm. and it, 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 the whole thing became even more disturbing to me. You know, yeah. I knew, I knew that I would right. have been that disturbed if I, but I just couldn't like handle it, honestly. And yeah. watching the footage, there was a couple moments, you know, when Chauvin pulled Floyd out of the car, it's very hard to see exactly what happened, but it looked like Floyd was lying on his stomach in the back seat, you know, across the back seat. Oh yes. And yes, he yes. was he was yanked out with such force and it looked to me like he basically fell on his face on the pavement Mm. because remember he Mm. was handcuffed so his hands were behind his back and it looked to me like he was on his stomach and it looked to me like Chauvin pulled him literally as hard as he possibly could you know with Floyd crashing on his face basically and then thinking about you have him kneeling on his neck which is insane and then two other officers kneeling on his body with his hands already behind his back you know what is the threat there at this point you have four officers with guns you have an unarmed man do you have who's hasn't resisted yeah he's having maybe some you know, mental problems at that moment because of what's going on, but he hasn't resisted. Yeah. He hasn't been well, aggressive. Well, that was my point. In any way. I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt you. No, it's fine. Yes, it's just, that... He hasn't been aggressive in any way. And then you have three people leaning on him. You know, it's just it's just baffling. And the last thing I'm going to say, there there's this one moment in the video where Chauvin is leaning on his neck and it, and it, it's taken after, you know, Floyd has gone limp, basically. And mm. I think he's dead. I think, he, honestly, I think he's already dead. And yeah. Chauvin is fully leaning on his neck. And his neck looks decompressed. Like, his Ugh. neck looks decompressed. And the look on Chauvin's face is so disgusting. It looks to me, and, and I you know, somebody in the crowd yelled out, you know, he's human. And I get why they said that, because to me, it looks like Chauvin, who has this macho look, you know, he, he mm-hmm. his own little macho look. It looks to me like Chauvin is like a hunter and he's like getting mm. some kind of satisfaction. He has this very um, 
you know, he's like has a very calm look on his face, like matter of fact yeah. almost, like look what I'm doing. That's what it looks to me. Like it's crazy. And I think I think it just br- brings back to the point of like and that's why we we're going to show the video of like, you know, you can read about these cases and you can hear the podcast, but watching the footage if that doesn't haunt you, if that doesn't shake and disturb you, you know, I mean, obviously hearing the facts is, should sort of be self-evident with that. Mm-hmm. But when you watch these things over and over and over again, it's going to have an impact on you. Um, and I can only imagine that's what you were going through, you know? Yeah. And thank you, by the way, Matt, again for <laughs> doing that because yes. I'm sure it wasn't easy. Well, the day after Floyd was murdered on May 26, protests erupted in Minneapolis and the four police officers were fired. On May 27th, protests ex- escalated in Minneapolis and the police fired tear gas, plastic bullets, and concussion grenades to disperse crowds. A target was looted and protesters streamed into a highway in Los Angeles. On May 28th, the National Guard was activated in Minnesota. On May 29th, Derek Chauvin was charged with third-degree murder and second-degree manslaughter. Ben Crump, the attorney for Floyd's family, released a statement via, via Twitter here are some of the expert <laughs> excerpts. Let me try to get my voice together here, guys. Um, he says, he says, quote, the arrest of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin for the brutal killing of George Floyd is a welcome but overdue step on the road to justice. We expected a first degree murder charge. We want a first degree murder charge, and we want to see the other officers arrested today. George Floyd's family is having to explain to his children while their, why their father was executed by police on video. It's essential that the city closely examines and changes its policing policies and training procedures to correct for the lack of proper field supervision, the use of appropriate non-lethal restraint techniques, the ability to recognize medical signs associated with the restriction of airflow, and the legal duty to seek emergency medical care and stop a civil rights violation. End quote. Very powerful words, by the way. All of that, obviously, we all would, I would assume, agree with. Also on May 29th, former President Trump held a news conference where he basically rallied against China for all kinds of reasons and announced he was terminating the United States' relationship with the World Health Organization, but made no mention of George Floyd or the protests, which is something not political. It's just really uh, more for history books to report on that. Mm-hmm. Later that same day, protests spread to New York City, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., and Trump tweeted, quote, when the looting starts, the shooting starts, end quote. Again, just archiving his, uh, his reaction. On June 1st, police, de- police deployed tear gas and pepper balls to disperse peaceful protesters outside the White House so that Trump could walk to a historic church to pose for a photograph holding a Bible, which I believe he held upside down. If I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh, I, I was upside down and backwards, John. And backwards, that's right. On June 3rd, Derek Chauvin's charges were upped to second-degree murder, and former police officers Tao, Lang, and Quang were charged with aiding and abetting second-degree murder and manslaughter. From this point, protests supporting Black Lives Matter spread to more than 2,000 cities across the country and also went international. Um, By early June, murals began to pop up from the Third Ward in Houston to Oakland to Manchester to Berlin, memorializing George Floyd, which is like, that's when you know it's pretty serious. Like, our country has a lot of things going on at any given time. But when, you know, faces of people and victims like that are spread across the world, that's that's pretty monumental. Um, 
On June 10th, Floyd's brother testified before Congress saying, quote, I can't tell you the kind of pain you feel when you watch something like that. When you watch your big brother, who you've looked up to your whole life, die. Die begging for your mom. He didn't deserve to die over $20, end quote. Mm. That's the thing that I keep going back to. The $20, the cigarette, oh. the loose cigarettes. Yeah. It's disturbing. In December, Darnella Frazier, who live-streamed the killing of Floyd, was honored with the Pen America Award for Courage. Good for her. Six other people have recently come forward with alleging that Derek Chauvin either choked them with his hands or leaned on their necks. Oof. So there's allegations of this being a uh, something he's practiced, it sounds like. A judge ruled that prosecutors could use two of those accounts when Chauvin goes on trial in March. He faces up to 40 years if convicted. The three other officers will go on trial together in August. George Floyd was buried next to his mother, which is like, you know, heartbreaking when you know what his last words were. Yeah. And he no doubt, of course, touched the world in a way that maybe he didn't intend. But, um, you know, one, one of the things that is so poignant, I think, in some of our stories that we share both on this show and our previous shows is if there are good things that can come out of it, then that's the best you can really hope for, you know, with a lot of these tragedies. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and, 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 you know, it's a good point to end on just about him touching the world. Cause yeah, I mean, I hope there, there's a, there's some change that happens and there can be light at the end of this really fucking dark tunnel. Um, yeah. And uh, Matt, I commend you on your research again for, for, you know, watching all the footage and putting this all together for us in such an easy, coherent way. Uh, we obviously want to hear from all of you about this case. We're always interested to talk to you guys. Uh, but we definitely felt, especially because it's Black History Month, that it was important to highlight sure. such an important case. And by the way, that will be the only time we compliment Matt on the show. Please don't oh, yeah. get the misunderstanding... <laughs> that we're going to be doing that we don't like all the him. time, Matt. Right. Yeah, we don't like yeah, him. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, Why don't we do some shout-outs for our Patreon friends? Well, let's shout-out. She DM'd me, so I'm going to take this one to our <laughs> first-ever patron, Krista. Krista, you signed up to our Patreon before we even announced the Patreon, and I gotta say... Before we announced the show, I'm by the way. I'm fucking she knew the impressed, show. Krista. You deserve <laughs> a round of drinks on us, all the love in the world. Right. We could not have not shouted you out, Krista. Thank you for being such such a good supporter of us. We need that support. We are independent, and you made us... Honestly, we were all very nervous about doing this, and you put a smile on our face from the get-go, <laughs> so we really appreciate that. Setting the tone right from the jump yeah and she um dm'd me as well and she was like i messaged darren and i just want to let you know i did find your patreon and your show and we're i'm so excited and i was like oh my god i was like you should be a true crime person because you clearly know how to investigate and i asked her i was like how did you find our show and i think she said she had just searched our names or something and i'm like oh right yeah okay you would find us by searching our names got it um, but I did ask Krista if she could help keep it a secret before we announced the show just a few days later. So thank you, Krista, for being such a dedicated fan. God, we need um, a Jenny, yeah. Thank you, Krista. Yeah. Jenny on Patreon said, quote, I am so excited and happy for all of you. Can't wait to hear more. Sending good vibes your way. So thank you, Jenny. So many thank of our Patreon you. fans in particular were very excited to know we were doing another show, Darren and Matt. Matt. Yeah, honestly, um, thank you guys so much. As a reminder, you can sign up for our Patreon by clicking the link in our show notes or our links in bio at Carpe Darren at Jay Thrasher or go to patreon.com slash shaken and disturbed. Uh, we, we really appreciate 
all any of your support going forward. Honestly, like we are grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah, we're uploading monthly bonus episodes, which you can listen to right from your favorite podcast apps, by the way. You know, our RSS feed for the Patreon is finally working. I don't know what happened when we launched, but it's ready and and able for you guys to plug right into your favorite podcast apps. We're also putting prom picks, behind-the-scenes content, and soon, as we mentioned at the top of the show, the revealing of Matt's true identity, which you do not... And, and his, Matt's dick pics. And yeah. I'm going to regret saying this. His body, Adi, Adi. I regret it already, guys. We have to end the show. <laughs> uh, your support helps keep this show running. So thank you in advance. If you sign up or have already signed up, we greatly appreciate it. It means the world to us. Matt Yay. can finally feed his children again and go to the gym and work That's out right. for all of you guys. That's the key here. That's the Miles key. Miles is That's so right. hungry. He's actually crying right now. Oh, no. Oh, he needs, no. Matt needs to go get his Patreon money and feed Miles. He really does. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. As always, this is Shaken and Disturbed, and we will be back next week with more content. There you go. Bye. Bye. Bye.